Hi, it's Paul Camillos. Welcome to Series 5 of Shooting the Breeze. Join me and my co-host Jacinta Gavin as we talk to inspiring players, amazing coaches and the legends behind the scenes and at the grassroots of the game. This marks the start of our fourth year of covering women's hoops and women in hoops. And throughout the series, we welcome experts like Lyndon Moore from New Zealand and other special guests from across the world to get a global picture of the game. During this series, we'll take a closer look at the grassroots and the passionate people at the community level. And of course, the 30th edition of the FIBA Women's Asia Cup was recently held in Sydney, where the Opals took bronze and Asia's best players put on a show. Hit that subscribe button and to show your support, rate and leave us a review on iTunes so we reach more listeners. Welcome to Shooting the Breeze. Joining me, my co-host Jacinta Govind, and it is episode 150. And we're doing our podcast from Kicks Brewing in Marrickville, which explains some of the background sounds you hear. Um... But yeah, we wanted to do something a little bit different. Uh, joining us during this episode, we're going to have James Jansen, assistant coach of Davidson College Women's Basketball. And obviously, our New Zealand correspondent, Lyndon Moore, will be joining us as well. Welcome to a bumper episode marking our 150th podcast, taped at Kicks Brewing in Marrickville. We're joined by New Zealand correspondent Lyndon Moore, who dials in from secondary schools nationals in the North Island of Aotearoa. And we get a fascinating glimpse into Aussies in US colleges with special guest James Jansen, the assistant coach at Davidson College Wildcats Women's Basketball. This conversation whet our appetite to learn more about the US college pathway for talented young players. You know, it's been such a privilege to speak with the calibre of guests we've hosted on Shooting the Breeze over five series and 150 podcasts. We also want to thank everyone that responded to the survey, and we do announce the winner later in this episode, so stay tuned. Big thanks to the entire STB crew, our phenomenal guests, and especially the STB listeners. Your feedback on the pods always blows us away. Thanks for sharing the journey, and enjoy the pod. So, joining us from Montreal, we've got James Jansen, who is coaching in the NCAA at Davidson College. And for any of the listeners who aren't really aware, whereabouts is Davidson? Yeah, so Davidson, uh, we're located just outside of Charlotte uh, in North Carolina. Um, so, in call ourselves the Hoop State over here, um, time college basketball country. Big time college ball country and also big time NASCAR country. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Cool. Now, just for um, our listeners and for yourself, uh, you know, we got some survey feedback ahead of our 150th episode recording today that our listeners would like some more content about Aussies uh, in the college basketball space. And we know we've got a lot of very talented female Aussie athletes in the NCAA tournament and competition over there in various conferences. So for your sake, James, and for our listeners' sake, this is just going to be a little bit of a taster about your experience and the Aussie connection with Davidson for this particular episode, but we'd love to have you back for a full proper episode uh, later down the track. How does that sound to you? Sounds great. Yeah, I appreciate you all having me on. 
Excellent. So, yes, so you've been a coach in the NCAAW college system for quite a while now. And as I mentioned, Davidson does have a strong Aussie connection in the female program. Um, so tell us, how long have you been a part of the Davidson coaching roster? Yeah, so I'm actually just uh, entering my seventh year here at Davidson, and uh, which is kind of crazy, right? Um, and my 12th year overall in, in Division One women's basketball over here. So quite the tenure at this point. Yeah, absolutely. That is, uh, you're going to be eligible for some long service leave if, uh, with that number of years under your belt pretty soon. Yeah, I wish that existed at some point. Yeah. <laughs> so heading into the next season for NCAAW with Davidson, you are going to have, I think, four to five Aussie female athletes in your program, five female Aussie athletes in your program, including Millie Pryor, who transferred from Fordham after a year. You've got Izzy Morgan, who was a North junior. And you also just received Charlie's Dunn from Victoria, who transferred from Virginia Tech. You've also got Rosie Deegan and remind me of the fifth athlete, James. Katie Donovan. Katie yeah. Donovan. Katie Donovan, Gold Coast. Yeah. From the Goldies, so you've got a good spread of it. You've got a Queenslander, you've got some New South Wales talent and some Victorian talent. So you've got a good spread of what Australia has to offer. Um, so tell us a bit more yeah. about how this Aussie connection between with Davidson started. Yeah, so uh, it kind of had its genesis from, from my time at Wake Forest and uh, I was in a, in a non-recruiting role uh, on the staff there and um, we, we sent across one of our assistant coaches, uh, Gail Fulks, um, while we were there to, to come to Australia and, and do some recruiting. And um, through that experience, we, we were fortunate enough to, to recruit Alex Sharp, um, who I, I believe is now with the, the Canberra Capitals, to our, our, our Wake Forest program. And um, Gail was, was then hired uh, seven years ago, as, or six years ago, as the head coach of Davidson and um, asked me to join her in, in that experience. And Davidson men's basketball had a really long history um, of recruiting international players and uh, and had some infrastructure set up that just really made made it very attractive for internationals. And obviously, my background being from Australia originally, we we're like, okay, well, I think this is a, a real hotbed for us, being one of the best countries in the world at, at women's basketball in particular, being somewhere that we, we felt was really attractive. And um, so from that, we identified some players pretty early on, and we were able to, to get our first Australian, Cassidy Gould, from Victoria to join our team after our first season. And from there, it just kind of snowballed. And um, and as you mentioned, we, we've got players from kind of – we've had players from all over. And the second one we, we had was was Adelaide Fuller, who was a, a product of the Centre of Excellence and, and the Queensland State Program. And um, ironically, she had a connection. So Derek Rucker, longtime NBL player and, and now commentator, was actually a Davidson alum, a men's basketball alum. Uh, so that, that kind of added to that that connection in that region. And from there, it just, yeah, as I said, snowballed to get to the point now that we've, we do have um, five on our roster and I guess encompassing four different states with that, with uh, both Izzy and, and Millie from, from New South Wales and, and Charlie Dunn from Victoria and Rosie Deegan from WA and um, Katie Donovan from Queensland. So um, it's been a, a really nice pipeline for us and, and something we feel as a program that we're able to identify these athletes that can have success really early on because that's one of my core philosophies with the college basketball setup is these Australian athletes do have other alternatives within their pathway. I'm um, a little bit different than maybe a, 
a typical uh, American student athlete would have. It's great stylistically that we're providing opportunities for them both on the court and off the court and providing an environment that, that they feel comfortable being so far away from home. That sounds excellent and a great spruik for the program as well, James, and especially that you are trying to focus on talent from across Australia as well. And like you said, Australia certainly produces some of the best female basketballers and has, you know, one of the best uh, basketball nations internationally. I think even here at home in Australia, we often forget how successful our women's program with the Opals and even at a junior level, um, you know, how good we are. And so going into... The next season, uh, you know, paying attention to some social media posts, especially on Instagram, we've got a whole bunch of female Aussie athletes ready to take their freshman year of NCAA, a couple going into their sophomore year. So everyone's getting very excited and geared up for the next season. But what are your hopes and expectations and perhaps even your anticipations for the upcoming season at Davidson? Yeah, so I think uh, we're a program that I, I feel is is definitely on the rise and and you mentioned a couple of those transfer student athletes that we've we've had recently and probably underachieved some of it was was injury related in the, the last couple of years and we're at the point now where where I think it's it's kind of all come together a little bit the Atlantic 10 conference that we're in is is one of the better conferences in in the country and and very well known for its basketball talent and uh, being a very basketball centric conference so we're excited to hopefully, yeah, contend for a top four place as 15 teams in the Atlantic 10 now and hoping to, to contend for a, a top four place. We're, we're bringing in, as you mentioned, kind of Izzy Morgan, who had a phenomenal freshman year for us two years ago, is now going into a junior season um, as kind of our point guard. And she last year, she, she kind of had a bit of an injury in, in the off season and was a bit kind of undercooked coming into the year. Probably didn't quite have the year we'd, we'd hoped she would have have taken with her sophomore season, but she was still A10 player of the week. One of the weeks in, in January it was not to discount the year she had, but she's a, a really special talent. And Rosie Deegan coming back for her fifth year, which is a, a little bit uh, kind of exceptional situations with the extra COVID year that's been offered for the students over here. But she was the, the A10 freshman of the year, her first year on our campus, and actually the only player in the last 20 years in our conference as a freshman to be all first team, which is pretty remarkable and um, sustained some injuries actually during the COVID stretch back when she was home and had some ankle surgeries and things and is now in a really, really good spot. And we have uh, really high hopes for her and she's such a great talent and will definitely kind of leverage her experience this year into her kind of future professional career, whether that's in the WNBL or in Europe, or um, she's a, a very talented three on three player too, a three X three player. So, that may be a pathway for her. So obviously excited for her to do her thing. We're returning uh, one of our American players who's an all-conference player who I hope will maybe play, play down the WNBL one day as an import. She's a really fun piece. And you kind of mentioned Millie Pryor. She set out last year as a red shirt after having kind of double shoulder surgeries, but she's just kind of hitting her stride now and getting back back into things and in full practice. And, and she's a an unbelievable talent who at, at her size and her position just has an incredible motor. And so we're, we're really excited for her and the versatility that she brings. And you mentioned Charlie Dunn, who obviously had a just a stellar junior career uh, in Australia and, and was 
arguably the best player at, at the under 16 national championship several years ago and um, a coe member and also a member of the, the silver medal team uh, under 19s two years ago that kind of won a silver medal at the, the under 19 world cup in hungary excited for her obviously she played on a, a final four team last year and didn't quite have the the playing time opportunities that she maybe desired we're really excited for what she's going to bring to our group and um, once again, the versatility, the length, an incredible shooter. So really excited how it all packages together and then got a, a host of American players we're excited for as well and, and looking forward to, to our freshmen, including Katie, um, Katie Donovan and, and what they may be able to, to kind of bring our group this year. So it should be a fun and exciting one and touch wood, staying healthy. As I said, I think we can, we can contend for, uh, for an A-10 championship and to throw amongst the mix too, like our non-conference schedule is going to be really fun. Like we're playing uh, University of North Carolina. We're playing at Cameron Indoor against Duke. I'm playing some really fun non-conference games as well through that stretch and uh, to test ourselves and see where we can put ourselves for postseason play. That all sounds really exciting, and I'm glad that you gave Charlie's Dunn and Millie Pry a little bit more of a shout-out and give us an indication of how they're settling in because I was going to follow up and ask about how they're settling in given that they're the two most recent transfers. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited to see how you go, and I think next time when we have you on for a longer episode, I'd love to get a bit more of your insight and opinion about the whole conference shifting as well, uh, given now that you said that your conference has 15 teams and just a little bit about how much that impacted the conference as a whole. Is it a stretch to say you have like a good opportunity for Izzy Morgan to mentor another junior coming into the program? Yeah, I I think Izzy's a, a really great person to mentor, like to speak to her leadership capabilities. Like she was probably a, an unexpected pick the 19s Australia team a couple of years ago. And after their camp, uh, she was selected as a vice captain on that team. And so someone that just has a, an incredible personality, she just oozes confidence. She's someone that brings people together. And, and so, yeah, if there were players to come and, and be, need to be mentored in, in the guard spot, she's definitely one. And I think Millie as well, in, in terms of that leadership stuff, is really impressive too. I just want to ask you, and I'm just going to touch on this lightly, the the changes in the conferences, from a coaching perspective, what have you had to think about with all these new teams coming into the conference? Yeah, so we're actually kind of lucky in, in our conference um, that we haven't had a whole lot of changes. So we, we were a large conference as it was. We had 14 teams. Uh, last year, we just added Loyola Chicago. So probably remember them from the from the men's basketball final four a couple of years ago and sister jean they joined our conference but yeah we're in a spot right now that we haven't been as affected by a lot of the the conference realignment stuff that you're, you're seeing going on and in some of these other conferences there's a little bit more stability because we are very basketball centric that we're lucky with that but i, I will say that th- there is still some of that um that instability just because of coaching changes that you get every year and uh, all that kind of stuff that goes on in terms of what you're thinking about. But there's definitely a shifting landscape over here with um, the name image likeness stuff, the fact that these players can can make money and the extra COVID year played a really big role from a, a recruiting standpoint and what that looks like. Like we don't have graduate school here at Davidson. So we were kind of in, in a really different dynamic than a lot of these places that just kind of been able to top up kids for kind of 50 years on their rosters, which you've seen a lot of, but It'll be interesting to see over the, the coming kind of 12 to 24 months what the realignment does, how it impacts everyone. Once these COVID years have, have expired, I think we'll get kind of what the version of the new normal of college basketball will be. 
James, it's been great having you on, and we really do want to get you back and get into this in a whole lot more detail because there's a lot of lot of interest in NCAA from here, and also just with all the changes that are happening in the NCAA space, there seems to be a lot of shifts and changes that, that are going to actually move through all the different conferences that are going on, and also it brings a whole lot of other impacts with all the other sports at the, at the various colleges and in the conferences as well, which. I'm sure a lot of our local listeners would love to hear more about. Definitely. I totally agree. Yeah, and obviously, yeah, happy to have more conversations about it. And I think, once again, we're, we're at an interesting spot within the college landscape of, of what it looks like within the pathway in Australia and uh, over different periods of the last 25, 30 years. Maybe it's been more more or less attractive to come over here versus stay at home. And I, I think it's it's really about helping people down there understand what this is and what the opportunities are and scale that things are really occurring over here is pretty remarkable. Like I couldn't have the job that I have in Australia with, with the current setup of how sports are there in terms of WNBL and the resources available to it. So really fortunate. And we try to and say, give as much access to Australian players as we can to, to what we have going on over here. And thanks, Heaps, for taking time to join us on our milestone 150th episode, especially not only yeah. because of your you know, expertise as a coach and the Aussie connection you have that we just, you know, very briefly explored. But also you were a very uh, loyal listener of Shooting the Breeze and a very, I would say, a a great peer on social media for Shooting the Breeze and for women's basketball too. So I think, yeah, it was really special to have you on our 150th episode. So thanks for being a listener and supporter as well. Yeah, I really appreciate it and uh, appreciate what you all do for women's basketball and, and promoting the game down under. Thanks, James. Looking forward to speaking to you soon. Yeah, definitely. Just, uh, yeah, let me know when it works and um, go Pies. (laughs) (laughs) Got to to go watch practice. All right. (laughs) See ya. Talk to you soon. (laughs) Have a good one. Bye. Joining us all the way from New Zealand, from Palmerston, where apparently the weather is chalk and cheese to Sydney, um, is Lyndon Moore, our New Zealand correspondent. And it's great to have you here, Lyndon, particularly after we've just you know, finished doing those series of pods about the Toihi League. And today, it is one year exactly since we did our live pod from for episode 100 from the Women's World Cup. That was here in Sydney. Yeah, that was with Megan. Yeah, with Megan. But, you know, Lyndon was involved with, with all the stuff that we've been doing as well as a correspondent and basically part of our um, STB crew. Which makes me so happy. And thank you guys for employing me again. It's, I mean, it was an immense honour just to cover, like to listen to you guys. But then to like actually jump on and be a part of it has just been the coolest thing ever. So thank you guys for letting me into the fam. I just love you guys so much. <laughs> the feelings are well and truly mutual, Lyndon. No doubt about it. Uh, funny enough, I'm actually in a gym, and I was I went and brought Maya Williamson on uh, my other half of the Kiwi duo, but she's busy commentating, doing her thing. So really hard to be mad at her for that. Um, but she actually invited me to sit up with her in the commentary box, and I had unfortunately turned her down because I was in come and hang with you guys. <laughs> Priorities. Absolutely, priorities. 
So, Lyndon, you know, it's great having you on, especially given how much you've contributed, particularly over this Tawihi League season. One question I do want to ask, have we had any feedback from um, Justin Nelson about our suggestion of getting the Tawihi League winners and the NBL1 women's winners to have a, have a playoff? You know, I am also really investing in that idea, Paul. So I am hoping we will get that into fruition one day. I have not yet talked to him, but I am actually speaking to him this next week. There's not other things coming up, so I will definitely plant the seed. Awesome. I think that's such a fantastic idea. And I know for a fact, well, I can, I'm going to very boldly speak on behalf of the NBL One East winners being the North Bears. I think they will absolutely love any opportunity to play at that level if it meant a trip to New Zealand. Of course. Or even if Australia were to host the New Zealand team. I mean, hey, if it means a road trip to go to Australia to cover it, I am all in. Yeah, and, and vice versa. If uh, if there's a trip to New Zealand and the North Bears women need some kind of media correspondent, I will happily sure. volunteer as tribute. I think we need we need to set something up where you guys can come over for next Tawahi season and just have a little bit of a residence, I reckon, because you guys need to see it for yourselves. Because I think we do an okay job, hopefully, of describing it is what we're doing over here and what's been happening. But would love to, uh, yeah, host you guys. So in whatever capacity we can make that happen, let's do it. Yeah, I think it'd be awesome to come over and see what you guys are doing over there and see it live, catch a few games, maybe do a couple of live pods. Yeah, you know what? I think that's a great idea. And like you, like oh you said, Linda, yes. I would have loved to have come. I think we used to casually talk about, you know, I was planning to come for the next two in the league. And then, to be honest, it just really quickly crept up on me and I, I forgot about it. Maybe I was sidelined with Asia Cup, but I would love to do that. And a live pod and some commentary from the sidelines is a great idea. I'm going to bring back a tweet that we had, an exchange that we had a couple of months ago. I think it was during, oh, it was during the NBL and the Breakers and the Kings. And talking about, well, can we manifest? And I'm hoping that we can manifest the trip over, you know, come over and do it. No, but honestly, though, I mean, here's the thing, though. I mean, there's pros and cons. I'm saying back to your comment, Jacinta, about the length of the season. It's so true. I mean, it creeps up on you quickly, and um, you guys know, have you probably listened to the pods that Maya and I have done. It goes by quick, and I mean that's one of the upsides of having is that you know you can have imports come in, you know, for eight, nine, ten weeks, sign the contract, and it's a cool gig. You know, in my humble opinion, but of course I'm biased, one of the best countries in the world over here. Um, but and the level of play is phenomenal. But here's like, but then tying it back to your point, literally, like it creeps up on you. So. It does require some planning, but I'm sure 2024 we can, you know, we can make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. Any excuse for a trip over to New Zealand, let's face it. Even if yeah. it's like 4,000 below over there at the moment. <laughs> I know it's, um, yeah, it's quite windy, but, you know, yeah, not even a little, or in the start case, a lot of wind can dampen the parade of basketball. One of the things I want to ask is, you know, over the over the last however long, what do you think has been one of the most interesting things that we've done as a group? Um, I mean, in general, I mean, it's really hard to say because I think everything you guys do is really interesting. That's why I love it so much. I think one of the coolest things that I've seen from you guys, and this is before, like, even when I was just a little fan far away in California, like literally where I started, it was, I love how you guys cover different topics. And that, you know, you'll have the community series, which we just finished up on season five. But then, you know, you've got everything from 
Olympians to mental health stories to the people in the WMBL and the Mecca itself, not just players, but management, coaches, people from the league. And what I love is that you guys are shedding light on different areas of women's basketball and women's sport that, you know, for something like ages, especially with like Salmon, for example, you're never going to know like what's there until like, unless we know about it. And so I think one of the cool things for me, from you guys, and also I'm going to say like Jackie Dover and the, and the refereeing, like I learned so much just from different people around the game because of listening to the pod. And so I love what you guys are doing there. Thanks, Linda. It's it's one of the things that we've always wanted to do is try and cover try and cover so many things, basically because there's just so much to cover. Yeah, that's all. That's right. You know, when you talk to people and say that you co-host a podcast about women's basketball, their initial reaction is that, oh, that must be very limiting. But it actually isn't. It's quite broad. Yeah. Um, women's basketball in every facet that it can be is always super interesting. I mean, we had Chris Pongrass on recently talking about all that front office administration thing, which is a whole other topic. And Linda, that blew my mind. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, you know, I thought I was a good problem solver of a planner organizer and at, at mass and then I spoke to him and I was like oh I think I need to do work experience with you before I'd consider a job in sports administration gee whiz yeah so many facets and so many things that he has to juggle it's like a, like a Chinese puzzle you know you move one piece and everything else shifts around and we also got some good feedback on Twitter from uh, Dean Andrews about the fact that, you know, we got to talk to Chris Pongrass and he brought out the point that this that Sydney's managed to break this one-year contract cycle uh, with so many of the players that they've signed for this year. Yeah, that was a really, really sound thing. Especially, mm. like, coming from just thinking, like, on that point, like, what, like, Chris himself, like, we don't always get to hear from people like him. And so it was really cool to have that on the pod and have like all that he said like on the record because I feel like there can be a lot of misconceptions sometimes about what people in his spot or like other people in higher up in management are doing. And so it was really great to hear, you know, from him. And especially like that one year contract cycle. That was really interesting to me. Yeah. And I mean he he brought that up when we first uh, talked to him live from Kudos Bank Arena. And it was really one of the things that I found interesting when he mentioned it back then was the fact that he said, I don't understand why people don't want to sign longer contracts. At that point, everybody wanted to sign just a one-year contract to see what would come the next year. And obviously, the Hoops Capital Organization has decided, right, well, this this time we want to give people an incentive to stay with the team and sign with the team for multiple seasons. and. You know, while the you know, and it's a strong, it's a, let's face it, it's a strong lineup, and maybe they maybe they might not get the chip this year, but they've got a core already locked in, so they can make those small adjustments to be able to to shoot for it for at least another couple of years. I was already on the edge of my seat about the Flames um, for obvious reasons, including the lineup, like you just described, and also just I mean, again, Fiser, but that more. Um, I was already on the edge of my seat, and it, it could be like no matter. I mean, Guy has that pedigree as well. So you know, like you said, Paul, like, even if they somehow like, don't come up with a chip this year, but they've got the building blocks for it, and it seems like they have a good headspace going into it. You know, to set themselves up then Hoops Capital versus us. Yeah, I think there there seems to be a big focus on a longer term vision for the organisation. 
hopefully that'll actually blend across into other teams. Because a lot of other teams still seem to tend to sign people for one year and there's maybe the odd one or two that they'll sign for two years. But now maybe this, this process of signing them for multiple years is going to shift the landscape for the league and for all the other teams. I think, though, what Hoops Capital have to their advantage is that they have probably a lot better resources to make multiple-year contracts more attractive. So I was speaking to someone... I was going to say like, that was one of the things probably... Yeah, yeah. So I was speaking to someone recently. They were just amazed about the what the female athletes have access to in terms of their own gym, their own lockers. Um, everything's on site. Whereas I think compared to some of the even the other bigger WNBL clubs, they do obviously the best they can. But I think Hoops Capital have that edge over some of the other clubs, being a conglomerate of the the two kind of together being a big organisation that is trying to provide the same resources for both teams uh, versus having an individual WNBL club who's going to only be able to have so many access to so many resources. So I think that's what Hoops Capital have the edge over and then they're more likely to have those multi-year deals. I agree. I'm hoping that this is actually going to start to shift the landscape for across the WNBL and maybe see some uh, more alignment between teams, particularly one of the cities that could really take advantage of this is Adelaide, where even if they, if for no other reason, they just sort of start to share some resources because then the teams can actually, you know, start to leverage off these shared resources, be able to, to help work with each other to try and grow the professionalism of teams, both teams, and... It's something that WNBL really needs. Uh, and, I mean, back in the day, if we go back to the 90s, most of the teams had an NBL and a WNBL team. It was very rare that you had had a WNBL team separately. So I think it's actually a good shift to see it going back to that sort of a model. And even uh, Adelaide, like you said, would be a prime example. But I think now that Rio Tinto is one of the major sponsors for both Perth Wildcats and Perth Lynx. Yep. Perhaps that's going to be the next conglomerate association that is going to, with now the extra resources, you know, say what you want about the, the same thing, actually. Yes, about Perth? Yeah, Perth, because, I mean, honestly, quite frankly, when I look at the Perth socials and everything, I kind of, I've always kind of thought of the Lynx and the Wildcats as kind of the two together. I wouldn't be surprised if they were up next. Um, like you said, Jacinta, I think Adelaide, Adelaide's also a good example. But yeah, I think but Perth seems to be on that track. The only thing that I can see getting in the way of that is the fact that Sen owns Bendigo, and I'm not sure whether you whether it would be healthy for the league to have one organisation own two teams. Maybe there's league rules against that. I'm not sure. There probably isn't. I mean, yeah, probably not. <laughs> I think yeah. what we've learned in the WNBL. <laughs> no, I think what we've learned about WNBL in the last two, three years is that there hasn't been any bylaws or rules about particular things, and they are only addressed when they come when up. When they come up, yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's a, That's another episode. <laughs> But I have to say as well, Lyndon, you know, after your kind words of what you've enjoyed about Series 5 of Shooting the Breeze and even perhaps even before Series 5, because you have been a long-term fan, listener, and now honorary member, well, co-host of Shooting the Breeze too, is that you've just been able to provide Shooting the Breeze with a whole other branch of content being the New Zealand correspondent. And I've really enjoyed the 
consistent introduction of more basketball content coming from New Zealand? Because not only do you get to be co-host and our correspondent for New Zealand, but now you've introduced, you know, Maya and Zoe. And so the family and the connection with women's basketball with our cousins over the road is just expanding even further. So, I mean, it's just been such a great asset to have access to that brand new branch of content. I really appreciate that, guys. I mean, and I just love seeing that. It's cool, cool to see that you guys are evaluating as much as I do. Because, I mean, the ones that guests that I bring on and obviously are the ones to come, but the ones we've had so far are ones that I believe really fit the mold. And I think, especially Zoe, it was really full circle for me personally with Zoe because she was actually one of the first players I met when I came, when I first started exploring this whole landscape. And so to have her now as part of the fam, I think there was a video yesterday uh, from Basketball New Zealand here at Secondary Schools was um, Zoe interviewing Maya. It just made my heart leap out of my chest. You know, those are the two of the sweetest girls. And, you know, but the thing is, they're not only some of the nicest people, they have some really good insight and their basketball knowledge is really good and it's expanding every day. They all bring their own assets. And so I just, and part of my whole thing from the beginning was, you know, share stories of really cool people in the community, but they don't get enough recognition. And to bring them to this platform has been just amazing to see them grow and their fan bases grow too. And that's honestly like, that's the end goal. And so if we can, you know, share it with you guys over there, like that's the coolest thing. Yeah, I mean... We really need to start a campaign to get Maya doing more commentary over in New Zealand. Yeah, I know. We, yeah, I, I don't think there's that much more to be said on that. We need to. And she's, I swear, like, I'm watching her up in the commentary box from across the stadium. She's just like, even if she's not on the mic, she's just chatting it up with the guys and she's doing as well as anybody. And like, she thrives in that space and she thrives around people. Man, I want to see her, you know, maybe we will one day think it big, get her to do some WNBL commentary. Look, and now that she's, uh, you know, flexing her muscles on a podcast and she's developing her skills in the commentary box, she's, you know, setting her own path and um, refining her own skills as a, perhaps a future broadcaster. And we know that we need more female broadcasters in the basketball space. Uh, definitely. And one of the things that I find really interesting and I really enjoy this is the people that we meet through this process with the podcast and particularly the ones that we've met from New Zealand, whether they've been in New Zealand or actually overseas, like there's this whole pool of talent over there that normally we just don't get to hear about here in Australia. And they're really good. Yeah, even on Instagram, yeah. I saw that um, because now we follow a little loosely follow the WBBL British League. Yep. Uh, uh, thanks to our friend Kaz, that a young New Zealand player, Amy, has signed to play for Oakland next season. And yep. Oakland also had three Aussies last season in uh, Grace, Cass, and in Georgia as well. Um, the same Cass that James Jansen just spoke about yep. when we talked to him before, same Cassidy. Yeah, so like so things like that now that we've become I me personally am now started to become a little bit more aware or alert to some New Zealand talent signing overseas. And as soon as I saw that, who else would I send it to but to Lyndon? <laughs> I think one of the other things that's really good about this is we've started to build a community, a global community. And I don't want it to sound like, you know, we're blowing our own trumpet, but the reality is we've got you know, New Zealand, we've got the UK. You know, we've made connections into Africa with um, 
Liz Mills and Queen John Massep. It's become such a big thing and such a, a huge group of people that we're starting to bring into the STB family. I, that's what I really like. I think um, that's probably one of the most unexpected uh, implications of being a part of this podcast is creating that community. Never expected that to happen because, you know, going into it, never even thought anyone would listen. But here we are, like you said, with the with almost like a global syndicate. Uh, so now we just need some American and Asian representation uh, yep. to keep expanding our community even further internationally. So if that can be you, drop us a line on our socials. Absolutely. And, you know, it's been interesting. We've noticed that we've been getting some listens from over in the U.S. and from Ireland. Ireland? Ireland, just wow. outside of Belfast. Well, interesting. Yeah, which is kind of cool. I'm going to just say real quick, though, in the name of Belfast, that's interesting that you say that. Now, I have no idea if this is linked, but I did plug you guys in my recent research presentation over there. So hopefully if you well, they know about it already, then they'll start listening. Oh, awesome. Well, I couldn't I can't think of any other possible explanations, so I think it's safe for you to take the credit yeah, for that, Lyndon. take the credit for that one. <laughs> I was trying to go through because I was talking to a bunch of people. Of course, like, I'm over here pitching New Zealand, but then like, I somehow talked about you guys, and it all got wrapped up in there somewhere. But inevitably, in whatever conversation I end up doing about women's basketball, you guys come up. So I know there's some, there's some fans in Belfast, so... Hey. Well, that's, that's a really interesting thing. It's like, I'm just wondering now, what is the women's basketball landscape like in and around Belfast? Who knows? If you're listening from Belfast, please let us let know. Let us know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just talking about... Um, oh. I want to know more. I mean, now I was only there myself for a snapshot like four or five days. So it was not long enough for me to find out about anything other than that they have a beautiful city hall and some good food. Um, so, yeah, if there's any listeners who are up on it, I actually have actually now I thought about it. There is a gal that I met who now lives in Auckland that I met her from my social basketball thing. She's from Ireland, and she actually, like, was well up in the Irish ranks for a while. So she might be somebody that be good talking to. Okay. Well, we need to chase that one down. And I just recently found out that – Bosnia and Herzegovina have their own women's league. Well, in, in hindsight, after you mentioned that uh, on Thursday when we are preparing for today, yeah. I mean, they did have a team at the Women's World Cup, so you would kind of have to think there would be some kind of pathway or women's program. But for me, it honestly didn't translate until after that, yeah, that, that's what was going on for them to be able to feel a, a team at the Women's World Cup. Yeah. Yeah, apparently their league is starting this week. So, you know, that's kind of... Great timing for you, but when you're going to jet off to Sarajevo very soon. <laughs> that's uh, convenient. Yeah, well, you know, hopefully the league will be up and running and maybe I can catch a game while I'm over there and see, see what's going on. Apparently, from the little bit of research that I've managed to do, Sarajevo won the league last year, so we'll see what happens. You need to get a T-shirt, Paul. Like you need to get some kind of memento. Hopefully they hopefully they do it like at least some merch or something. Yeah, they do so yeah. Get some merch from the Sarajevo women's team. <laughs> or do your own solo live pod. <laughs> yeah, I think that one might be a little bit tough. Because I have no idea what they I don't even know where they're playing. Just have to find out when you get there. I have to find out when I get there, yeah. So Is there a website in English? 
Um, no. And it is, I didn't find a, uh, a Google Translate for it either. Mind you, I didn't look too hard. So so tell us, Lyndon, you're at a game right now. What's the game? Um, just before I jumped on, it was the AA Girls Grand Final, and we had a rematch between Whistlick Girls High School and St. Andrews College. So that was the uh, rematch from 2022 into 2023. And how was that going? It was Westlake one, <laughs> so that was uh, honestly though in all, but in all seriousness, like it was a tight game, but it was there were some. It was kind of clear early that Westlake was gonna they were gonna go through. But I mean, the way Westlake has rallied was one of their uh, top players, who's a year twelve Amy Tateman, has sustained a major injury uh, earlier this week in the tournament, which now takes her out of junior tall ferns in Papua New Guinea. And some other stuff for it looks like almost a year. So to see her on the bench, that was emotional. But the whole, I know the whole team was like rallying around her and being, you know, they just wanted to present the Stowers. I'm going to say this right now. If you, like, for those who don't know her name, which now you do, Zenthia, keep an eye out for her. Um, she was cooking throughout the whole game and for a lot of the tournament as well. So yeah, congrats to Westlake girls. They played a great game. Yeah, champions two years in a row. But then also, you know, St. Andrews College, but they've also had a really good run this year down in Christchurch and uh, the South Islands up to now. So two really well-respected programs uh, in a final. But I will say, um, going on my bit of a tangent from yesterday, uh, we had the stacked Tauranga girls semifinal was one of the best high school games I've seen in the hot minute because it was down to the wire the entire game. So, yeah, it's pumping. And the support is pumping. It's a great place to be. And sounds like there's a, a good pathway for development through the school's competition. Yeah, there is. I mean, to a while, you know, it gets kind of clear kind of who does where and who's got what. But it's overall, it, the schools are really strong. And it, what I love is that not one team just has all the really good players. And so we've seen, you know, Texas Grammar and Bailey Flavel. We've got, you know, Barding College, which is um, – Victoria Tamila, I'm just thinking some of you know, Rebecca Moore, Zenthia Stowers, Amy Payton on Westlake Girls, Kevon Lane, Lauren Whitaker, who uh, I know my we mentioned on the last pod, Lauren, you know, for uh, Stack St. Andrews. So, I mean, it's really cool. And even if, you know, with the year 13 is leaving, it's really promising. It is good turnover coming through. So, um, you know, it's the Nationals week, it's the best week of the year because everybody kind of comes together. And for the rest of New Zealand, we don't get to see schools like so was in Auckland and like where we're in zone one, there's four zones. We don't really see the zone four schools at all until nationals. So it's really cool to finally get to break out and see everybody else around the country and see what that pathway provides. Cool. Lyndon, it's been great having you on for our 150th pod. Can't wait to be able to do more stuff with you over in New Zealand and get a clear picture on what, what other things are happening in New Zealand hoops. No, and thank you guys for like letting me jump on again. It's been such a cool opportunity. I've loved every second of the ride. And I just want to say thank you guys for just what your comments earlier about the community that you guys have cultivated. I mean, I met some of my best friends through this podcast, including you guys, and then also, you know, Kaz and Daz over in the UK and John to talk to Liz Mills a little bit. And so I've just met some of those amazing people that I don't know. You know, I don't know if I really would have gone across paths with if it weren't for this pod. So you know, thank you guys for letting us share a little bit of our story and our world over here. And I'm, I'm just so excited to see what we can do, you know, later on. Awesome. Thanks so much, Lyndon. We'll let you get back to the game. 
and we'll be talking to you soon. All right. Happy 150, guys. Jacinta, how are you doing? Good. 150 is a big milestone and, you know, trying to have a quick review and a flick through on our podcast outlets of what we've even covered just in Series 5, you know, it's it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It is. It's a lot. And I'll look back at previous series as well and I think about one of the things that really kind of came home to me was the people that we've had an opportunity to talk to across the basketball world from around the world. And I don't know about you, but when the podcast started, I never thought we would have guests like that on the show. Well, to be fair, I came into the shooting the breeze, you know, after it started. So I only jumped on during the Tokyo Olympics. But even at that point in time when I joined shooting the breeze, I wouldn't have anticipated we had an opportunity to talk to the people that we have, like you said. But um, the thing that I like the most is I feel like it's happened quite organically. Yep. So we've just been able to go strengths to strengths. You know, we've built a great community out there online, face-to-face with our pickup games yep. and having a real international flavour, especially in Series 5. Yeah. And it's just all happened organically. And I think that's uh, sometimes when you do these um personal projects and creative projects that is a passion project i should say that's the best way to to lead it yeah i think the thing that's brought these these people onto the podcast because obviously they'll they'll listen before they say yeah we're okay to come on is that they realize that we just want to talk about women's basketball and women in basketball and that's it we're not trying to pick your agenda other than promote the sport yeah, exactly, exactly. And we do have to pride ourselves in taking that perspective of advocating, promoting, um, celebrating as well, all yep. the different people that make up the sport in many different ways. And sure, we've had the episodes where we like to highlight a few things in WNBL or the female basketball landscape as a whole that we would love to see improve. But, you know, we never want to, um, you know, drink from the barrel of bitter. No. No, absolutely not. We don't. We're always looking for how do you improve it? How do you fix the problem rather than complain about the problem and not actually come up with a solution? Mm. So, yeah, I think that helps bring people on board. And again, I was kind of thinking about some of the people that we've met and guests we've had on. Look, to be honest, I never would have thought that we would have had the help. I'm kind of going to an extreme here. But the assistance that we got from FIBA to be able to get Lena Wallen-Cancy on the on the podcast, I mean, you know, I kind of think back about that and go, wow. Yeah, no, we've been very, very privileged and almost spoiled yeah. in that way of being able to access even FIBA. And, I mean, that's, you know, the international governing body of a huge sport. Yeah. We've been very lucky to have access to people who sit on the board and the who make the moves. For our sport in general. So it's it's wild. And even for me growing up, idolizing the WNBL and the Opals to then turn around and have a chat with Christy Harrower, Lauren Jackson, yeah. Michelle Timms, even Paul Goris yep. very recently. If you had told me when I was a kid that I would have that opportunity as an adult, and it is one year ago today since our 100th episode at the FIBA Women's World Cup with Megan Wade, but it is also around a year ago that I was very lucky to attend the Opals reunion lunch 
yes. during the World Cup too. So again, it's just ridiculous. This is why I sometimes think I'm on the Truman Show because it's just a, a whole bunch of things where I feel like is this staged for someone else's entertainment? Because yeah. it's just it still isn't uh, sinking in all the great opportunities that we've had. No, it, it's the same for me. I sometimes I just sit back and I think to myself, if I think back to the days when I first got to see the Flames play back at the Entertainment Centre in the early '90s with the Kings, if I'd thought then, and I remember seeing, you know. Timsey play. And if I thought then we're going to get an opportunity to talk to her, not once, many times about the World Cup and to hear stuff from her about the Opals and the Opals ethos, you know, I, I wouldn't have believed it back then. I just would have gone, no, that's just never going to happen. No. And especially when you watch people like that as a kid and you idolize them. When you put people on a pedestal, you think that they're inaccessible. Yeah. And you'll do anything you could just to like, you know, have a chat to them or shake their hand or get an autograph. And then here we are, you know, seeing them on on a regular, having a chat on the podcast or <laughs> courtside in between a game or at the end of a WNBL game. It's it's pretty wild. It is. And and I, I really thought about this. I think Michelle Timms is the first time we were both left speechless after she ran through the seven principles of the Opals. Yeah, because I'd heard so much about it and I'd known a little bit more about it. And I think in preparation for that episode, I tried to find out more, but especially me having the privilege as well of being coached by Carrie Graff, who was a part of mm. that Opal's ethos, particularly at that time. She used to carry on those seven principles into her Canberra Caps team. So when Timsey was talking about it, I felt like I lived it a little bit. Now, we've got a bit of an excerpt which we're going to play here which is from that episode with Michelle Timms. Anyway, and then all the groups came back together and we put the words on the board that we ended up with and then we worked through all those words and came up with what it really meant was going to mean to us to be an opal. And um, from that came our seven themes. And at every training session that we got together during that WNBL season or whenever we had our camps, we were always tested on what it meant to be an opal what are those seven themes and and you can ask anyone anyone involved in any of Tomar's programs and they'll be able to rattle off the seven themes of what it means to or what it takes to be an opal and i mean i can rattle them off now you know p is a physical team we need to be in physically great shape we need to be able to handle adversity we need to have a defensive mindset we need to be a we team we need to be um assertive um, we need to be relentlessly persistent and we need to be flexible. And that means that we can run any play, any position on the court. So our bigs need to be able to shoot the three and our littles need to be able to post, you know, players up and defend big players in the block. Sorry. So there you go. Did I put you to sleep? <laughs> no, no. It's great. Now, you know, she didn't put us to sleep. It was just like, it was one of those magic moments. But there are lessons as well that you take into your rest of your life. So oh, yeah. every time I hear the phrase handling adversity and relentless persistence, because they were the two in particular that Graffy used to try and instill at us at the Caps, Yeah, I, I get some kind of like flashback kind of moment, but there's definitely times, you know, in life, whether, you know, so far removed from basketball, whether it's a work thing, a study thing or whatever, especially that can you handle adversity that is so cemented in my brain for any kind of situation now 
that yeah, it's it's a little bit of a a bit of a shock to the system when I when I hear it. But uh, it's it's definitely been a very valuable lesson. Oh, it has. Now, before we get too deeply into some of the other things we want to talk about, I think it's important for us also to, to give a quick shout out to the listeners that we have all around the world, because you know I've been looking at where our listeners are coming from, and you know we've got the US and New Zealand, India. There's a lot of countries in Africa, the Philippines, the UK. We've had Japan, Italy, Germany. Maybe it'd be easier for us just to say who we haven't had listeners from. It's That's still quite a long list. Yeah, it is. I'm a bit in awe of how, how widely across the globe the pods listen to. And it's not like we're kind of promoting, we're pushing it out into those countries. It's just somehow the word about the podcast is spreading and getting out there. Yeah, it's just that organic growth again mm. uh, that we like to see. And I think it's a it's a bit of a privilege as well that we, you know, are so passionate about this particular topic that we're able to access other people who also share the similar interest or same level of passion about women's basketball as we do wherever they are in the world and that they can take it with them. Yeah. I think that's an, a nice way to think about it. Now, one of the things that that I want to touch on, people are probably wondering about the the background noise that we've got going on. I know I mentioned it at the start of the show, but we are actually recording at Dick's Brewing at their tap room in, in Marrickville. And they very graciously let us take over a table and do the recording here. And look, the, the way we got to these guys is I was at a function, got to try their beer, thought that it was from Kicks Brewing, and I thought, well, you know, if there's ever been a beer for ballers, this is the one. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think uh, this may have to be a frequent hangout if I ever find myself back in Marrickville again. Yep. Uh, hopefully, I'll be able to spend some time over the summer now that I have a bit more free time with MBL1 finished. Yep. Coming down and I've long promised the likes of Josie and Kaz from First Subs that I'll spend some more time going to their pickup game. Yep down here in this part of the world. So summertime, that is my objective, and I will think I'll have to uh, drag them along here to, to Kicks Brewing uh, <laughs> as a, a post-game bevy. Oh, absolutely. So look, let's kind of talk about some milestones, you know, because, again, 150 episodes, we've got a lot of milestones here. And I want to ask you, what's something that really stands out for you? I think probably the 100th podcast episode at the FIBA Women's World Cup. Yep. I think the fact that it was the 100th episode and the fact it was at the Women's World Cup we were hosting, yep. the stars don't align like that ever. No. So I think that was a very lucky and privileged opportunity to be able to do that. I think also what stands out is probably off record. So the things that we've recorded, the stories that we've heard and shared and and the people we've talked to is one thing but the fact that now we've used the podcast as a, and I always harp on the podcast as well about how basketball is a vehicle for so many other important things in life yep and now the podcast in itself has become such a fantastic vehicle for us to be able to find a community of peers whether they run other podcasts whether they are other uh, contributors in different ways in alternative media and online, yeah. but also taking those relationships now into reality where we have, you know, so many great friends and build our own community around a podcast. And they're, they're people that I probably wouldn't have never have met otherwise. Yeah. But now that I've met them, I can't imagine or not having them as part of our life now. And it's a whole other 
me growing up in organized basketball, it was all playing, coaching, and, uh, you know, those types of tournaments where you make those connections and never is, was it considered that things like broadcasting and journalism was a whole other realm of basketball that's worth exploring and that there's a whole other community out there. Now yeah. we've very lucky been able to create that. And even today of all days, it's our good friend Woody's 40th birthday. Yes. The co-host of Throwback Hoops podcast. Yep. And now, you know, I'm, I have the privilege of someone that I met on Twitter because we had the same, uh, interest in basketball in the Sydney Kings. Yep. We both had podcasts. Uh, now I get to celebrate his 40th birthday with him and our good friend Nick, who's a very loyal listener. Absolutely. Pick up basketballer and never, never would I have thought that that is what a podcast would be able to provide. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that first pickup game that we did at the Women's World Cup, that had a lot to do with it. You know, that, I was looking back at some photos from that. Was, then we had, what, 20, 22 people from all around the world. Literally, all around Australia, all around the world. And I think, like, I think I'm really glad we did that, A, because it was during the World Cup, but B, knowing that our good friend Kaz was coming to the World Cup yeah. from the UK and being able to provide something like that for her to help add to her already cool experience of coming overseas for a World Cup, I think, yeah, yeah hopefully we were able to provide a good memory for her in that respect. I also was thinking a lot about special guests that we've had and those who've been on more than once, you know, and there's so many that we want to get back and it's how do we fit it all in? Because, you know, so much to talk about, so many people to talk to. Um, but some of the ones that, that stand out that have, have been on the pod multiple times, I mean, I'd have to say one of the first ones would be Coach Liz Mills, who is, you know, we first got to talk to her when she was coaching in Kenya and then she's gone to Kenya, to Morocco, to Cote d'Ivoire, and now Cameroon. You know, she also came to the lunch after the pickup as well, which was fantastic. That was just, just so great to meet her and her twin sister, Vic. Yeah, I mean, that was like having a celebrity at your party. Because <laughs> when there was an inkling that uh, Liz and Vic were going to come to the lunch, I was like, oh, nah, surely not. Surely they've got other more important, exciting things. And they came and I was like, it's like having an Oscar winner at the party. Yeah. And, you know, Sammy Mack from Albury, who we hear quietly, was very disappointed that he didn't have notice otherwise because he missed out on, on coming to, to be here with us at, uh, at Kicks Brewing. Yeah, and I think he probably would have wanted to come for the beer first and the podcast <laughs> second, but no, he knows I'm only joking. But uh, And also congratulations to Sammy Mack. He's been assistant coach of the Aubrey Wodonga Bandits uh, NBL1 East team for the last couple of seasons, and he's just recently been appointed as head coach. Okay. So congratulations, bud. We're very excited for your next season. Absolutely. And we're still hoping that somehow – that street sign from uh, Stanford can make its way back to Australia. Yeah, come on, Lockie, you got to pull us a solid and <laughs> try and uh, try and pinch that for us. Yeah, you don't have to bring back the pole as well; just the sign. Just the sign. <laughs> you know, we also had we've had Maya Williamson from New Zealand on it four times, and Vanessa Panusis, who's now playing at the Sydney Flames for another season. You know, we had Al Kunick on in, in season one, and she. She came on again, you know, as part of her return to Australian basketball. That was a really interesting podcast. 
She's literally traveled the globe and had played so much overseas and had just grown so much in her game yeah. in between those two episodes. I think it was really great to be able to capture her just on the birth of her announcing that she had signed to Townsville Fire for 23-24 WNBL season. Yeah, and we were lucky enough to see her at the Asian Women's World Cup. Yes, thank the Lord someone put her back in the green and gold. Absolutely. You know, we've had Sarah Graham, Katrina Hibbert, Lauren Mansfield. Lauren Mansfield is great, you know, and particularly the last time we spoke to her where she was also talking about how she's now turning her basketball experience into business experience. Yeah, so I think that's also a really good situation of how you had her in the first series when she was still with the Flames. Yep. And now, again, she's come full circle and she's back playing with Adelaide and, uh, yeah, started the Complete Athlete Project with her teammate, Brooke Basham. Yep. Um, she, that one, actually, that episode more recently with Lauren Mansfield really caught me by surprise because I know she's a pretty quiet, reserved person, but for her to be able to share in that depth in terms of her playing experience and what her aspirations were for the Complete Athlete Project. I was really uh, very grateful that she was able to share share her thoughts in, in that level of depth. Yeah. Um, we've had Christy Collier-Hill, the head of the WNBL on several times. And i got to say, it's great being able to talk to Christy because the one thing I've always found about her is that we can have a conversation about not only what works with the WNBL, but also we can talk to her about what hasn't worked. And we'll, we'll, we can have an open conversation where, you know, in the past she said, yeah, you know, we have made mistakes, but this is the way we're trying to improve things. And that's great because I think, you know, one of the things that the WNBL in the past has been bad at doing is talking to the fans. Yeah, and transparency. Yeah. So I think the double-edged sword of having Christy Collier-Hill as a guest is that, A, I mean, the privilege access to the head of the WNBL yes. that wants to talk to us, but B, also allows her an opportunity to be transparent and to have, you know, a lot of diehard fans listen to her directly. Yep. Hopefully knowing that our fans of the podcast know that we're going to, you know, ask them pretty decent questions. Yep. We're not going to be too fluffy and we're not going to be negative. No. Um. But, yeah, having that access and giving her the opportunity to be transparent in, in one medium, I think, is the, the big advantage of those types of episodes. Oh, for sure. And this one still gets me, you know. Annie LaFleur. I mean, I don't know about you, but I remember Annie LaFleur playing in those Flames teams in the 90s, and she was a blindingly brilliant basketball player. Oh, yeah. I used to be excited as a kid just to park next to her car. When we would go to the games. And then I had a chance to meet Annie a few years ago as an adult. She did a I Am A Girl camp at Terrigal. Yep. And our good friend Rachel Herrick as well was there and pulled me and my friend Danielle along to help out on the date. And even as a grown-up, that was the first time I was meeting Annie, uh, I was reduced to a child again yeah. because um, I was just such a fan of her growing up. And then now having a conversation with her just didn't compute for a short period of time. I know. It's it's like when we spoke to Jackie Dover, right? We're speaking to Jackie Dover. We're speaking to someone who's going to the NBA to be a ref in the NBA. Who would have thought that, first of all, an Australian would go, an Australian woman would go. Indigenous woman. Indigenous woman. That's right. Australian Indigenous woman is going to the U.S., is going to the NBA to train to be a ref in 
what is arguably the most widely watched league on the planet? Oh, absolutely. It's uh, even the people who don't know anything about basketball know what the NBA is. Yeah. And what I really like about Jackie is that despite being a part of the NBA refereeing program, which is, I imagine is like the pinnacle of yeah. being a referee, right? That she's still so down to earth and she'll still use any opportunity when she gets home to give back to some kind of level of grassroots or be able to talk at, you know, the She Hoops yes. uh, forum that we had at the FIBA Women's Asia Cup recently. Yep. And if you jump on Instagram, she shared it as well on her profile. She's also been at the Indigenous basketball games. Yep. Yep. Um, so she was mic'd up for a game refereeing, which is hilarious because she's – uh, what I like about her, going back to how she's down to earth, even when she's refereeing, she'll still speak to you as she would in every day. Yeah. So she doesn't put on this persona as a referee. She doesn't put on this fake authoritarian no. kind of tone with people. She just talks to you as she normally would. And she's also done a little bit of a, a mic'd up session with some of the other people organizing the event. So she still has time for that stuff, even being in an MBA program. So that's what I really liked about her. Yeah. And we had... You know, there was the time we had the Paralympics. We had Jenna Misens and, and Darren Alley on where we got to talk about wheelchair basketball. And and really, that was the start of our involvement with wheelchair basketball. And then, you know, there was the opportunity to go and see Amber Merritt playing at Sydney Uni. I'm still going to say it. That is probably the most single frightening game of basketball I have ever seen. Those guys are physical and it is tough and they just will not back down one step. It is the toughest game in basketball I've ever seen. And uh, we also got chatted to Gauchi as well, who's yes. a wheelchair basketballer legend in her own right. And I remember that episode had a little bit more of a gloomy tone in a sense that it sounded like in terms of funding, resources, organisation for wheelchair basketball in Australia wasn't going ideally how it was going to go. But since we talked to her, I've noticed that there's still been a really big push to get more people involved. So uh, there's people from BNSW who are making a really great effort to reach out to local clubs yep. and people that they know involved in able body basketball to get involved into wheelchair basketball. But there's also now the spectacle of the under-25 team that yeah. they're starting to put together. They're putting out open trials in Victoria. So they're yep. starting to recruit and uh, focus on talent ID, and now the under-25s get to go to the World Cup pretty soon. That's right. You have to say it's it's an underappreciated part of the game, but we've got so much talent in the sport, and it's, it's a shame that they don't get as much exposure as they should. You know, we had Nat Burton on a couple of times, uh, and Nat Burton was over in the Toihi League just recently for a few games, and we can't go past talking about Alex Bunton's. You know, having Bunce on the show was great. And, you know, particularly the second time we had her on the show. That was, you know, look, let's be honest, that was a pretty tough conversation that, that she had with us. And nothing but respect for Bunce to be able to come on and, and talk to us. But also the journey for her, where she thought her basketball career was over. And here she is back playing for the Caps. And, you know, she's playing as well as I think we've ever seen a player. Yeah, sometimes, you know, because when she spoke about her return to basketball and she kind of laid out on the table what her schedule and her career was like as a junior and then going into the senior ranks with WNBL and the Opal squad, there was really no break for her. Yeah. 
So it is just so important to recognize, I mean, she was kind of forced into that break and forced into the retirement with her injuries, but how refreshing it is and how great it is that she took that break. She learned who she was and created her identity as a person without basketball. Now she's come back 2.0 back into the league. And uh, I think she's still got plenty of years to play. Oh yeah. For those Alex Bunton episodes, when she very um, graciously shared her experience of being a victim of domestic violence is certainly one of the episodes that people have come up to me and said, that was my favorite episode. I already liked Bunce before, but having shared experiences of what she talked about, she's still one of my favorite athletes. Um, And for me, then that gave me an insight of like, wow, I didn't realize how many of my friends and people in my circle have also been a victim of DV. So Bunce being able to give other people a voice and then destigmatizing being a victim of domestic violence by talking more about it, uh, I think has made a a big impact on some people. Yeah, and we were lucky enough to get her to jump on when we did the live spot in Canberra as well. With our friends Simon and Michelle. Absolutely. This Caps Weekly. This Caps Weekly. Um, You know, we've spoken about Michelle Sims. I think one of the other ones, and and this one, you don't realise the impact that this one has until you kind of think about everything that this person has meant to Australian basketball, Lorraine Lambert. Where would Australian basketball be without Lorraine Landon. At, at so many different levels as well, like organisational, state level, national level. I mean, there's a reason why she's in the rafters at the Sydney Kings. Absolutely. You know, she's in the rafters at the Sydney Kings. The impact she had on the 2000 Sydney Olympics, her involvement with the Opals, the World Cup. What can you say about Lorraine Landon that hasn't already been said? <laughs> oh, yeah. She needs a whole documentary series just on her. Just about her. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Chris Pongrass. Chris Pongrass has been on twice. Great insights into the whole front office side of the game. Genuinely nice guy as well. Yeah, I mean, that was a big surprise that, A, he agreed to jump on twice because given his expertise, he's the CEO of Hoops Capital, yep. which is, you know, he's up there in the basketball world. Yes. But for someone who, to be, like, so genuine and down to earth. Yeah. And just be so willing to have an honest conversation with just, you know, us Joe Blows down here. I was really, really impressed with that. He is a genuinely nice guy. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And so many great insights into a side of the sport we don't normally hear a lot about. You know, most podcasts they want to talk to, players, coaches, and that's it. And he's been so generous with his time. In fact, the second time he came on the pod just recently, he just returned from the holiday. Yeah. Which was great. And he had his dog to to kind of manage in the background. <laughs> As we tend to do. And, of course, we can't ignore our UK buddies, Kaz and Daz, who, and it's always great talking to them because, you know, we get to learn more about what's happening in basketball in the UK and they get to hear from us what's happening in basketball down here because there seems to be a lot happening in the UK. I think the sport there is starting to really pick up a little bit, starting to take off a bit. They're getting more interesting imports appearing over there as well. Yeah, and I wouldn't have known anything about it unless we had met Kaz and Daz. Yeah. uh, That they even had a professional league. But then also, uh, I guess, the the history and how amazing the London Lions women's team are performing. Yeah. Um, The calibre of talent that they have, the fact that they are playing in, um, I think, a European qualifier at the moment. And 
they have just one of the recent additions to that team was Carly Samuelson, who was the import for Townsville Fire in their last season winning the yep. championship. But because I think she has dual citizenship, uh, it probably makes it a lot easier for someone like her to go and play there. Yeah. Because she's, I'm pretty sure she's played for Team GB before. Okay. That's something we need to look up. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, one of the one of the ones that we've had on a few times, and is always good value, and funny, a very funny person was Sarah Graham. Sarah, when she was playing, particularly over the last few years at the Sydney Flames, she was always one of those players that really had a, the others laughing. And now she's transitioned to coaching role, and she's making a lot of inroads in the coaching world. Definitely, yeah, because there was a period as well before NBL One East became what it is now. Sarah was still uh, taking on the role as player and coach for the Hornsby Karingai Spiders for a couple of seasons. And, yeah, she's gone to, you know, coach at the COE, has a great relationship on and off the court with Veerly. So she was helping out with the Caps as well last year. Yep. But she also got to help out with the gliders at the last Paralympics. So her talents certainly aren't limited to just coaching able body basketball. Um, I think she's definitely someone who's a quiet achiever. Yeah, definitely. And, look, She's obviously got the right skill set, the right personal skill set to be an effective coach. Otherwise, you wouldn't be seeing her in so many different coaching roles. So sometimes it's not just about X's and O's. It's about how you relate with people. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So we've kind of covered a whole bunch of different stuff in this conversation. A few things that I think we need to also talk about, a couple of guests that we've had on board. One is um, Lena Wallen-Cansey. Now, we've, we've mentioned this before. Lena was, we got to connect with Lena through the, with the help of FIBA. We had a really interesting conversation with her. And she dropped one particular comment, which really surprised both of us. Now, we're just going to play that comment. That was an interesting point you just raised. And I think, I'm not trying to be controversial, but mm. you called out the European League. Mm-hmm. as potentially the best women's league in the world. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people would automatically default to the WNBA as being mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to understand why you had that opinion. That your league is the best uh, because one thing is doing that is doing better is that you have the teams are competing both in the national leagues and then you have they play um, in Euro League, so they are not just playing in one league, so they get more games and you have more teams playing than in women's NBA, so you have more players engaged, I would say, and you have the whole world is represented in, in Euro League in in the European teams. I mean, in, in women's NBA, there are many, many more American players, of course, and there are some who are not playing in EuroLeague, but some of the older ones, but they've been there before. And um, so I would say that you have wider base of players in EuroLeague, for sure. So that was really interesting because it's about everything around the EuroLeague the level of competition, how often people play, the global nature of the of the player populations. But taking all that into account, that was still, I mean, it's a big call. Yeah, and I think sometimes, like in hindsight now, 
we always just have that unconscious bias of if it's American and it's sports, therefore it's better. Yeah. So until she explained it to me in that way and really made a case for it, I'd never properly considered the European League to be the best league. Yeah. Um, and truth be told, I still don't know enough of the European League to be able to uh, deep dive into it. But, um, yeah, the fact, like you said, is their schedule, the fact that their local comps are already a high level and then they go and play at the bigger yeah. comp uh, with all you know the winners and the top teams playing against each other. Um, just the breadth of playing opportunity, I think, for a player's development is uh, definitely more bang for your buck. Yeah, and the other thing is there's so many more teams. I mean, one of the things that we've seen with the WNBA is a lot of players get drafted and they get cut very early because there's there's eight teams and there's only so many roster spots and there's so many players coming out of college and they won't all get a roster spot or even a development spot in a WNBA team. So what's their option? Yeah, and then you can use some of the smaller European leagues then to leverage to get it to a different European league or a better club or a better yeah. country in a similar way that sometimes people will come to the WNBL to kind of as a stepping stone to get back into the WNBA or something like that. Or in reverse, you know, Alana Smith came to the WNBL yep. and then used Poland uh, yes. to improve her game out of sight where she's now back in the WNBA and was nominated for Most Improved Player of the Year this yeah. season. So plenty of advantages for Europe. There are so many different places to play. Like you said, there's way too many talented college athletes that won't get a WNBA spot. I want to go and play in Europe. There's plenty of opportunities. Yeah. And speaking of Europe, I'm just going to jump back to it for a second to Vanessa Panousis. One of the things that was really interesting when we first talked to Vanessa was we were talking about the club she was playing with in Greece. And one of the questions was, well, what sort of crowds do you get? And she said that they get huge crowds because the crowds come to support the club. So they essentially support they support the men's team, the women's team, the soccer team, the whatever else. And that seems to be one of those things that, that happens across Europe. People come to support the club, the team, rather than, you know, a particular basketball team or so you get a bigger crowd and that's obviously a good thing for the sport because what it means is it makes it more sustainable because you're getting these you're getting larger crowds and that supports the sport to grow and to be sustained throughout the league. Yeah. There's so much more. I know? think and I think uh when we were trying to revise some of our highlights, particularly from I mean, hundred and fifty episodes is very hard to Pick out certain highlights. Um, and it, there's already been a couple of episodes where we've been able to reflect on our highlights of the yeah. of the podcast at that point. So I tried not to um try not to repeat myself to pick out highlights for this particular episode to talk about. But one of them that came to mind straight away was our most recent episode with Christy Harrower. Yeah. And I wasn't too sure if it was too much of a recent episode to talk about because maybe it was just fresh in my mind and that's why I thought it was a highlight. But having um, having a think about it, we were able to get into such depth. Like we went into that episode with one idea and came out with a whole bunch of different stories and experiences we, did. we didn't expect. And she was great being able to go on a whole different other level with us in terms of detail. Um, me personally, being a former player, loves being able to get into the nitty-gritty of the roles of particular positions, what it's like then and now, and being able to talk to her like that. 
but it was an episode that we got a lot of positive feedback about. Yes. So I first want to give a shout out to uh, Bo Disco, who comes from Nam. Yeah. Uh, avid listener of the podcast so thank you to you Bo Disco and I think your family also listen. Bo also plays for the Queer Sporting Alliance down in Nam. Yep. Nam being Melbourne. Also has a WNBL tipping comp with some of their friends and plays social comp but the thing I really like Bo Disco other than your very kind positive feedback for the podcast is that you're obviously a basketball fan Yep. and you obviously listen uh, intently to our episodes because some of the other talking points and feedback that we've discussed online are very detailed and very thoughtful. And that's what I really, really like being able to connect with people I would never have ever met who were just as nerdy as I am. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we've had a lot of positive feedback from a lot of people. And, you know, they, they come out and they give us such great feedback on particular episodes, like, you know, the one with Christy Harrower. You know, even when we were setting up this episode, we were, you know, we put out a, a survey. And, you know, we asked, like, what was requested by listeners. And and most people said, it doesn't matter, surprisingly. One listener requested Susie Batkovic. Unfortunately, and we did reach out to Susie. Uh, unfortunately, she was busy today. But stay tuned because she did say she would be more than happy to come on to the show. Yeah, never say never. Never say never. Just because it's not today doesn't mean it won't be another day. That's right. And now as we're winding up this 150th episode, we are going to draw the winner of our podcast questionnaire. Seven. Playing my, my original playing number is seven. I pick seven. Seven. <laughs> okay. So now um, we've drawn the number. Based on Mary's face, I think it's probably someone we know. <laughs> it is someone we know. She's Nick or Lily or Loz. Woody. <laughs> Uh, Savvy Mac. Savvy Mac. (laughs) (laughs) Should we do a redraw? No. (laughs) Okay. Savvy Mac, you are the lucky winner. And your street sign is on its way. (laughs) (laughs) Savvy will be in touch with you about your prize. Look, to all our listeners, I really want to say thank you to each and every one of you. We really enjoy doing the pod. We really love getting your feedback. We really love the interactions that we've had with you in real life at lunches, at tournaments, at, you know, World Cup, Asia Cup, the pickup games. You know, even when we run into you at, at a Flames game or at a Kings game, we really enjoy doing this. And we're so glad that you guys get some enjoyment out of listening to us, talking to all these people. And, you know, occasionally when we sit down and have one of these where we just talk about stuff. And even if it's uh, learning, because I really enjoy learning the stories from our guests and asking the questions, I've just always been like that. Yeah. Even when I dabbled in um, uni radio back in the day and I used to try and uh, organize band interviews over MySpace, <laughs> I used to enjoy that. So that aside, but I also really enjoy going back to our sense of community, meeting so many different people and understanding what basketball is to them and how they have interacted with basketball over their lifetime. Because for me, it was very textbook, organizational basketball. You train this many days, you play reps, you follow that pathway. That's the only type of basketball I knew. Then I started playing pickups, uh, you know, locally about seven, eight years ago, and that was a different type. But now meeting so many different people from different walks of basketball life, uh, I really enjoyed learning 
a lot more about what basketball means to other people and how they interact with it because it just uh, gives a greater depth to the sport. Oh, it it definitely does. And I also want to say that we're closing out our Series 5 with this episode. We will be taking a break. We'll be back in November. We will be putting out some content between now and then as well. And obviously, you know, stay in touch with us on socials. We want to get your feedback, anything that you want to talk to us about, do that as well. Again, 150, thank you so much. Thank you, Jacinta, for being part of the show. And thanks to all of you listeners. Shooting the Breeze can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast with all your friends.